Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Welcome to this study of 2 Thessalonians. My name is Jim Dalrymple, and I'm thankful that you have decided to join us on this study. My prayer for you is that this study will help you discover completeness in Jesus. We've entitled this series, A Growing Faith, because as Paul writes to these believers in Thessalonica, that's his desire for them, but it's also one of the things he boasts about them for. So as we discover completeness in Jesus, we want to have a growing faith as well. We'll learn that over the course of these next three lessons that they have this growing faith in three different circumstances. They have a growing faith, first of all, in the midst of persecution. Second, they have a growing faith even in times of panic. And third, they have a growing faith when they're called to be productive, but there are people involved in the church who are, quite frankly, just being lazy. So it is in these three circumstances that we will study and that we'll evaluate our own faith and our own lives, asking how does what Paul says to the Thessalonians apply to our life and apply to this desire we have to discover completeness in Jesus. So as we start, I encourage you to open up your Bibles and jump right in to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Let me read that passage for you. Paul says there, We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. Now, an interesting thing about that phrase, growing abundantly, is Paul actually adds a prefix to the word growing, and the word, we'd recognize the prefix, the prefix is hyper. This is literally a hyper-growing faith that Paul is talking about, and he's, he's thankful for this faith that the Thessalonians have. When it comes to to my own desire, I want to have a hyper-growing faith. I I don't know if that's true for you, but I know that that it's one of those things that as we evaluate Scripture, we want to grow. And so we want to look at this letter and say, what is it about this group of believers that caused their faith to be a growing faith? How do you measure growth? I know we can measure growth in all sorts of ways. We can measure growth by uh, how we gain weight, uh, by our career and advancing our career, maybe getting a degree or getting a promotion. Uh, We can measure growth by talking about the fact that we have gained a relationship or matured in a relationship. But what about our faith? How do we measure a growing faith? Uh, Paul teaches us about this growing faith throughout the letter, but we discover that, that God created us to grow. That through creation all the way through the New Testament, there is this narrative of growth that is a part of what God has hardwired into us and into creation. Jesus talks about this. He he talks about the fact that he is the vine and that we are the branches. That if we stay connected to him, if we remain in him, then we will grow and bear not just fruit, but abundant fruit, much fruit. Kind of like this prefix that Paul uses, hyper fruit. We'll, We'll bear a lot of fruit if we stay connected to Jesus and continue to grow in him. Uh, Peter uses a different metaphor as Peter writes. He talks about the fact that we should be like newborn infants who crave spiritual milk. Now, the milk in context there is the word of God. And Peter's saying that if we find nourishment in the word of God, then we should grow like a newborn baby. And, and, and newborn babies grow fast. You, you know what it's like when grandparents come to visit, maybe after being gone for even just a few weeks. The first thing they say is, wow, this, this grandchild has, has grown. And, and babies should grow. In fact, if, if they don't, we know that there's something wrong. 
Our firstborn child was born six weeks premature, and one of the struggles we had with her was getting her to eat, getting her to find nourishment. And it was a concern. It was a concern for the doctors. It was a concern for us. It especially weighed heavily on my wife. Because we know that those things that are healthy mature and grow, and and especially babies, they grow quite quickly. Well, this is what Paul's talking about here, that God has desired and designed us to grow. So, like Jesus says, we need to stay connected to Jesus. We need to stay so, stay so connected to him that we see fruit in our lives. And, and like Peter says, we should so much find nourishment from God's word that that nourishment causes us to grow fast like a newborn baby. That brings us back to our passage. As, as Paul talks about this hyper-growth in the, the believers in Thessalonica, he says this hyper-growth has caused you also to grow in your love for one another. Look what he says going on in verse 3. Your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. One of the signs we have, one of the measurements we have of a growing faith is a growing love. You remember what I said, how do you measure growth? If I ask you the personal question, are you growing? And if I just left it that vague, you would come up with all sorts of answers based upon how you measure growth, how you even value growth in your own life. But when it comes to your faith, how do you measure a hyper-growing faith like Paul talks about here? You measure it by a steadily increasing love for one another. So we want to keep these two things in mind as we study the rest of the letter. That as Paul is giving thanks for these believers, he is giving thanks for them because their faith is hyper-growing. And that hyper-growing faith is leading them to a steadily increasing love toward one another. This is happening in three different circumstances. So this brings us to circumstance number one. How do they grow in their faith and how do they continue to love one another even in times of persecution? In this letter, chapter 1, verse 4, we discover that their growing faith is going to face opposition. So Paul says this in verse 4, Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God. Paul here says, I'm not only thankful for you, but I'm also boasting about you. Why, Why does he boast about them? He says, For your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Paul is boasting to other believers. He's bragging on their faith. He's asking them, have you seen the faith of the Thessalonians? And in this growing faith that they have is a faith that is growing in the circumstance of persecutions. Notice these two words. The first word is the word persecution. It has the connotation of someone who is pursuing another person to the place where they want to flee, where they want to run away. And so persecutions in this particular point in time could have taken place in three ways. One of them would have been social persecutions. A social persecution would have been an insult or perhaps even being disowned from a family or from from a community group. And so perhaps this is one of the ways they're being pursued for their faith, is they're being insulted. A second way they could be persecuted would be financially. They could be excluded from their trade guilds, from their networks, and this would bring the loss of a business because of their newfound faith, because of their growing faith. And the third area of, of persecution could have been physical. So this word persecution has the idea of someone being pursued to the point where it makes them want to flee. But Paul says they're also facing afflictions. 
Afflictions are, are the word here has the idea of being pressed or squeezed. And, and imagine this, not, not just this feeling, but, but this interaction that's taking place in the body of Christ as this faith that is growing is now bringing them opposition. They are being pursued and they're being pressed. But Paul says, the reason I boast for you is about you to these other believers is that you're remaining steadfast and you're enduring in the midst of this. So the, the two words here that are paired up, persecutions and afflictions, pursued and pressed, but their response because of their faith is that they're steadfast and they endure. What does this word steadfast mean? Well, this word is actually connected to that passage back in John 15, where Jesus says, stay connected to the vine. Stay connected, remain in the vine. This same root word is found in this word steadfast. It is a word that just means to remain. To, to remain when times are difficult, to remain when others are wanting to press you and to pursue you, they are remaining. How are they remaining? Well, it's because of their growing faith. Because they have a faith that has been connected to Jesus and the life-giving hope that he gives, and because they're staying connected to his word, the nourishment that comes from his word and the truth that comes from his word, they are remaining steadfast. So what about you? One of the indicators of a growing faith is that when suffering, difficulty, perhaps like them, persecutions come, is that you stand your ground, is that these things do not cause you to run. These things do not cause you to crumble under their weight, but you're able to stand strong. One of the things that we see is, is not only this word steadfast, but we also find the word endure. This is to bear up under pressure. Uh, the idea of endurance, of course, is to keep going even when things are difficult. And we know that, that growing, that growing at times happens best because of our need to endure. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, think about how this might make sense. We intentionally undergo moments where we need to endure so that we can cause our own growth. We endure working out at the gym and we endure running. Why? Because, well, we want to grow physically. We want to grow in our health. We undergo uh, striving to learn a new concept. Why? Because we want to grow in our career. We want to grow in our education. We endure a struggle, walking through a season of struggle in our relationships. Why? Well, because even though there's conflict, we want our relationships to be healthy and we want them to grow. We will intentionally walk through seasons of difficulty, walk through moments where we are called to endure because we know that at times endurance brings growth. This is true throughout the Bible. And so as, as Paul writes here that he's thankful for their faith, this growing faith that they have, I also want to suggest to you that one of the ways that their faith is growing is because they're actually walking through this season of persecution. This is consistent throughout the Bible. James says this, count it joy, my brothers, whenever you meet trials of various kinds. Now, it's not just persecution in James. It's all kinds of difficulty. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Here's that same word, a faith that stands and is connected to Jesus and nourishes from his word. Romans chapter five, verses three through five says something similar. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope.
So as Paul speaks and, and talks to these believers, he talks to them about their growing faith and he gives thanks for their growing faith. But he also mentions that this faith that they have is helping them through this season of difficulty. And we recognize that God does not bring or desire every moment of suffering that we have, but he can use it. And at times, this suffering brings our own growth of our faith and questions and tests. Do we really believe what we say we believe? And when we remain steadfast, when we endure, it is an affirmation that what we believe and what we proclaim is the very thing that causes us to stand with such strength. This is what Paul says as he boasts to others, is that this is actually an encouragement. This is an opportunity for me to encourage others who will walk through their own seasons of difficulty, perhaps their own circumstances of persecution. That's why Paul boasts about their faith, because he wants to encourage them. Because sometimes your suffering is your greatest platform to reveal the faith that is inside of you, that it is authentic, that it is real, that it is deep down a part of who you are. You have been nourished by the word of God. You have a deep connection to Jesus. And even when the circumstances of persecution or suffering come, that is still who you remain in the core of your identity. And so Paul says, I boast about this because I want others to grow in their faith like you. And I've been encouraged because I've watched other believers who have walked through seasons of difficulty, walked through seasons where their faith was questioned or where they were pushed and they were pursued because of their faith. And as I hear their stories and I observe their hope and, and the faith that they have in Jesus, the connection they have with him, it encourages me to remain steadfast and to endure. So what is the nature of this faith? What is the nature of what they believe that allows them to stand strong in the circumstance? Well, that's what Paul does in this next section. You'll notice that in chapter 1, verses 5 through 12, there's a paragraph there that is meant to encourage these believers who are facing these persecutions and afflictions. And it's in this paragraph that Paul affirms their faith and reminds them of three things that they believe. Let's list those three things. First of all, Paul here reminds them that God will bring them justice. They are afflicted, but Paul here says that God will come and he will judge, that he will bring judgment and vengeance. Maybe they desire vengeance, but the Bible teaches us to trust God for judgment, to trust God for vengeance. And so this paragraph is an encouragement that part of their faith is that they believe God will ultimately fulfill our need for justice in the world. And you'll notice that those who are pushing and those who are pursuing the believers, those who are not believing in the hope that we have in Jesus, they ultimately get what they desire, which is a separation from his presence. So we discover that in this text that God will bring judgment, that God will bring justice. But the second thing we also see in this paragraph is that God will bring relief to those who are facing the circumstance of persecution. What is this word relief? The word here is the word rest. And if you're being pursued, and if you're being squeezed and pressed, I want you to recognize how valuable this word is to hold on to for these believers. As Paul establishes this faith that they are remaining steadfast in, he says, Jesus will return. And when he returns, he will provide you comfort and rest. Now, you also need to know that in chapter three, we're gonna talk about rest because some of these believers believed that Jesus had already returned and that rest was already a part of how they were called to live. And so they were lazy when they should have been productive. 
but the promise is something that is yet to come. And so in this world, Jesus promises us, you will face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We want to take Jesus at his word, and, and one of the promises he has is that if we follow him, we will face circumstances of persecution. And like the Thessalonians, they may be social, they may be financial, they may be physical, but when they come, we will remain, because of our faith, steadfast and endure. And that as we do, our faith will continue to grow. Here's the third promise that, that Paul gives in this paragraph, verses 5 through 12. He promises them Jesus will return. Jesus will come back. And in 1 Thessalonians, as Elijah taught us, we live in light of this fact that Jesus is our king and Jesus is our returning king. And that should transform how we live, but also how we see our own circumstances. Paul says that as Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, we will marvel. This word is the word for astonishment or wonder or awe. We will set back. Even though we have journeyed through these difficult seasons of life, we will sit back in that moment and see Jesus for who he is and see his promises, and our response will be wonder and awe. I think when I look at this passage, one of the things Paul wants to affirm is that it will be worth it when Jesus returns. This brings Paul to his concluding prayer in this section. And you'll notice Paul has concluding prayers in each of the three sections. And he says in verses 11 and 12, as we close out our lesson together, to this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for joining us in this study. I hope it is an encouragement to your faith. I'll see you next week. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.